0: Broadcasting from the heartland of America in the Hoosier Media Network studios, the next generation in conservative talk radio. This is the voice of reason with Andy
1: Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. It is the Voice of Reasons Weekend Edition. I am Andy Hoosier. It's so wonderful to have you with us as we have every single weekend. I like the Halloween theme to that intro. Just a little bit of spookiness. We're just a couple of weeks away from Halloween. If you so enjoy celebrating that one, if not, totally cool. We'll get ready for all the great holidays, the trifecta of holidays coming up over the next few months. So welcome into the program. This is the Voice of Reason. I am Andy Hoosier broadcasting out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas at the Hoosier Media Network Studios. And boy, as usual, it has been a week of chaos, a week of pandemonium, and a week of crazy. So there's a lot to cover and a lot to talk about, and I am looking forward to doing it all with you this weekend. Coming up, bottom of this hour, we have Phil Kirpin. He is the president of American Commitment, a great think tank out of Washington, D.C. We've had him on the show before, and there is a piece of legislation... I guess I shouldn't say legislation. I should say an executive order signed by the Biden administration that wasn't done through the legislative process that you should probably be aware of that I'm guessing you don't know about. Andy, what's that? Well, that's an executive order regarding the auto industry. It does tie in a little bit with the UAW strike that is still ongoing, and it has a lot to do with. With executive or with uh, electric vehicles moving forward over the next few years. So we'll have fun chatting with him about that, what the Biden administration's desperate attempt of a positive agenda may look like, especially going into an election season. If you want to find us, you can find us all over social media with the hashtag at Hoosier Reason on our handle, H O O S E R Reason. And our website at hoosierreason.com. You can also download and subscribe to our podcast at the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier on any of your favorite podcasting sites. Again, Hoosier Not With The I, H O O S E R reason.com. I never throw that stuff out enough, so I figured now's the time to probably do that right out of the gate. Before we go any further, let's of course cover the big stories that happened in our week in review.
0: It's your week in review.
1: As obviously this thing that's ongoing and we were the first ones nationwide last week to break it as it happened last weekend last Saturday was uh, the attack obviously on Israel and the ongoing battle between the Palestinians in Israel Hamas and Israel with the terrorist organization calling out the death to America and the death to Israel Israel not taking that crap no more and they're out there and they are working their way through Gaza as we speak trying to clean up the Hamas terrorists. And, of course, here in the United States, while we have a wonderful thing called freedom of speech, we have a bunch of not-so-wonderful individuals that are calling for the celebration of the death to Israel. They are supporting the Palestinian organization, even Hamas, while they're waving the black flags that are typically known to be carried by jihadists and terrorists and extremists around the world that love to harm any of the infidels, that do not agree with their agenda. So, before we go any further about the reaction over the past week, we should probably get the latest on what's going on right now. What's trending today? And this should be, I think, a telltale sign. For anyone here in the United States that may not be familiar with how things are done over there, and I'll be the first to admit, I am no expert on uh, Israeli politics, on Middle Eastern politics. I am, however, observant enough to understand what's going on enough to know how we should be reacting to this situation where anyone who says that Israel with their infiltrating through the Gaza Strip right now is creating genocide of Palestine. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, we're actually getting those messages right now from college campuses and left-wing progressives. This There's a positive to this that I'll get to in a minute. But anybody that thinks that Israel right now is creating some type of genocide walking through destroying homes, killing women and children, doing all this garbage that isn't necessarily all completely true, then this should be a telltale sign that if Israel had the power and the ability and the force to do this for all this time, why haven't they done it? Why haven't they done it? Why did they just give the Gaza Strip to Palestine when they created this nation in the first place? Why have they tried to create all of these nice peace negotiations and orders, the Abraham Accords and the other accords that were signed over the years, trying to create peace, and every single day on an hourly basis have their Iron Dome constantly shooting down missiles from Hamas that were trying to destroy them for the last couple of decades? If Israel is the evil bad guys here, then why didn't they take over the entire area long before instead of sitting there constantly just shooting down missiles trying to say that they're a peaceful nation? If they were the bad guys, we would have known about it a long time ago because this is an extremely powerful military force that I don't think progressives and Democrats quite understand that this could have been happening a long time ago, but it hasn't, and for a particular reason. That being said, we still have protests going on, particularly not just across the nation in certain cities and in the streets, which we'll get to, but also in college campuses. And as you know, being part of the millennial generation, colleges and the young generations, one of our focal points on this program, and there are college campuses galore right now that are having pro-Palestinian rallies. And I don't understand why. In fact, even our very own Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, my favorite low-hanging fruit to pick on here on this program, along with the rest of the B-Squad, and I call it the B-Squad, by the way, because they call themselves the squad and they're kind of, you know, the, the B-word that we probably shouldn't say on radio. So we call them the B-Squad here on this program. And she, AOC, has made the comment that while we should be helping Israel defend itself, we shouldn't be helping them create genocide and we should be fighting for human rights in the area.
2: Our responsibility is to the stability and the security of the region. That means being able to support, uh, not support. Yes, Israel in its defensive capacities, right, in its in, in in that context. Mm-hmm. But it also means that the United States has a responsibility to ensure accountability to human rights, to prevent the ethnic cleansing of Palestinians, ethnic and to cleansing. ensure that horrors uh. do not happen in the names of victims who do not want. Their tragedy used to justify further violence and
1: injustice. Wow. So, okay, so that was Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. It's wild to me. And I get it. We're in politics. We have a short attention span, a short memory span. We don't remember things that happened more than a couple of days ago. I understand that there's some type of short-term memory loss in the realm of politics. But if we're creating some type of genocide, some type of cleansing, Some type of terrorist organization like the nation of Israel expanding their powers and just doing their imperialism across the Middle East. (laughs) If that were the case, then can we go back to just a week ago of what actually happened on how this started when Hamas used an opportunity, which, by the way, they said they've created and they've been structuring and planning this attack for years now, for the past three years, really after we abandoned Afghanistan and left all of our weapons over there and all of these resources over there. Since that point, they've admitted openly on media that they've been orchestrating and planning this attack. And they sent missiles into apartment buildings. They ended up just leveling a entire rave. And for those that don't know what a rave is, the nice party with the, electro- you know, <laughs> the electronic music, Yeah, that's all the young kids over there partying, dancing, having a good time, watching these people parachute down and then open fire on them, killing more than 250 people at this party. That is an ethnic cleansing. That is a terrorist attack. And somehow, some way, some weird manipulation of reality among us right now, we have people that say Israel is now doing the ethnic cleansing and the genocide. After having a horrendous, the biggest and worst ta- attack on the nation of Israel in decades, and now it's their fault for actually retaliating. It's their fault for saying enough is enough. We're tired of being attacked on a daily basis. We're not going to take this crap anymore. It's their fault. We have people out there supporting the Palestinians after an attack like that on Israel saying, Meh. I'm telling you, even the media, some of the left wing media, Jake Tapper on CNN was actually kind of shocked and odd when we saw this, that he's actually exposing and saying that right now, Democrats need to be very careful because we're starting to see all the anti-Semitism coming out of the Democrat Party right now that they've always said was a Nazi thing, which, of course, was a Donald Trump thing. That was a Republican thing. Republicans are the Nazis and are the fascists and are the evil, horrible human beings. They have accused us of this for so long and we knew it wasn't true. But it has to be shown to them. You have to lead someone to the trough. You can't actually make them eat out of the trough. You just have to lead them to it. Well, now they're starting to see the anti-Semitism coming out of the Democrat Party. And by the way, the squad, the B-Squad, as we like to call them on this show, uh, I support and I fully believe – that the House of Representatives, once they get their act in order, which we'll talk about a little bit later as well in hour number two, once they get their act in order, I believe that there should be a motion to remove any elected official that has been waving a Palestinian flag and has been supporting Palestine or Hamas. Now, I'm very well aware that there are two separate things, and not all Palestinians are members of Hamas and terrorist organizations. Completely understand that. But when you have elected officials that are waving Palestinian flags and that are not Wanting to stand up and support Israel at all as an elected member of Congress, whose duty is to uphold the Constitution, defend this nation and uphold and support any of our allies in this world. It has nothing even to do with ideology of whether you like or dislike the Jewish community as a progressive Democrat who likes Palestine and hates Israel. Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, hint, hint, wink, wink. It's not even about that. It's strictly the fact that you are an elected member of Congress here to support this nation and support our allies as well. Our allies are under attack by terrorist organizations that have called for the death of that nation and the death of our nation. And you're waving their flag. And once the House of Representatives gets their act in order, I call for the immediate removal of all of those elected officials immediately and then charged with, oh, I don't know, something horrible because how dare they actually go down this road. But for a moment, I want to focus on the protests that are going on on college campuses because this leads to an entirely new conversation is now everybody's talking about the argument of free speech. This goes much deeper than freedom of speech. You have the freedom of speech. And while as ignorant and naive and stupid as these children may be on college campuses supporting uh, Palestine, they have the right to do so. The bigger question that we need to be asking ourselves is why are they doing it, and what led them to actually support something like this, and even go to this extreme?
0: That were beheaded, no, the babies would never beheaded. That was a made-up story. How do you, you not true? It's show me the pictures now. So what about show that? me the pictures? You're a lion full of what? you're full of.
1: They did not kill their babies. That is. So no babies. There's no validation of that whatsoever. There is no proof of that. Netanyahu is basically
0: running his own f- narrative of what he wants to excuse himself how does that say killing and genociding and holocausting all the policies. It's a shame that Hamas can stand here in the middle of New York City and say every every day, this is crazy, this is crazy. I don't I don't understand how the American people are not afraid from this guy. I don't understand. One man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. Don't forget it.
1: One man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. By the way, that audio from Fox News, that was on the streets of New York City. That wasn't even a college campus, but that was just some very angry individuals when we say, Hey, wait a second. We have Hamas literally killing babies and children and posting videos of it online, of mutilating the bodies, of destroying them, not to get too terribly graphic on this program. They're doing absolutely horrendous things. What's your comments? There's no proof of that. La, 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 la. Putting on the blinders, putting on the earmuffs, and just moving along because how dare you accuse our wonderful, lovely terrorists who despise uh, uh, Jews and, and America and, You know, let America's chickens come home to roost mindset. How dare you question them for actually doing something bad and evil? It's totally justified or it never even happened. I live in a completely separate reality. And that's the world that unfortunately we have now. And unfortunately, you can't reason with them. And even showing them blatant proof when their own people even admit it is not good enough. How do we respond to something like that? The division in society is deepening, I think, right now, and it's kind of scary. This is The Voice of Reason with
0: Andy Hoosier. It's America's political therapist... This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier.
1: Voice of Reason, radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch or listen to us. So we have the ongoing division in America. We cannot unite on anything any longer. If the 9-11 attacks happened nowadays, we would have just as many individuals going out there saying that the chickens have come home to roost and America's evil and fascist and Nazi, and it's probably all Donald Trump's fault anyways. And we used to have a message for those back in the day, but we're not allowed to apparently run this anymore, but I don't care.
0: Hey, if you don't like America, then you can
1: get it. <laughs> that used to be the vital, like, at least we would be able to unite. And, in fact, the Israeli government has united because there are – here's here's the shocker for the left, for those that are like, oh, there's a genocide and a cleansing happening against Muslims, ha-ha. <laughs> While they're the ones calling for that, they don't realize that the Israeli government has actually united with the Muslim sect and the Jewish sect and the Christian sect and the agnostic sect, and all of them have come together, and even the political enemies and religious enemies in Israel have lived peacefully there for a long, long time, and they've come together and said, you know, we should probably work together because this is our home and we do not want radical Islamic terrorism Haven't heard that term in a while. Remember Democrats that refuse to say that Ted Cruz is out there all the time. We want you to say the words is radical Islamic terrorism. And that's what is beyond those borders of Israel in many accords. Now, again, that's not everybody. And for those that are saying that Israel's out there just killing women and children, I would like to remind you that according to even the Jerusalem times in the news out in the Middle East, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister, is warning, hey, get out of Gaza. Get out of the area. We don't want to hurt you. Women, children, get out. And I know that it's blocked off, and they're trying to get out as much as they can. At the same time, there's a reason why it's blocked. There's a reason why they're not allowed to get out. Oh, yeah, that's why. Because Hamas is using them as the shields because they are less than human, unfortunately. And I hate to say that because we love all humans, regardless of whatever they believe. But when you use other human beings in your terrorist attacks... In your radical ideology, that needs to end and needs to be absolutely eradicated. And it's absolutely sad. These uh, bringing it back to the universities here in the nation. There are a number of universities having pro-Palestinian rallies going on, including at Harvard University. Which, by the way, according to Breitbart.com, Harvard University was named 2023's worst school for free speech, according to the Foundation of Individual Rights and Expression, also known as FIRE. Yeah, not a conservative political organization. The Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression. Harvard University ranked the worst school for free speech has now said that they're out there promoting free speech and allowing the expression. They are committed to freedom of expression. As more than 30 students were protesting Israel and supporting the Hamas terrorists after more than 1,300 Israelis did. That, according to BreitbartNews.com, whenever that story was released, which was uh, earlier on Saturday. So Harvard, that's terrible about freedom of speech, locks down the thought process of anybody else. Apparently now we're just going to uh, allow the pro-Hamas individuals to just support and do their rallies, whatever they want to. This goes much deeper than a freedom of speech issue. This goes much deeper than being concerned about what uh, uh, the universities may be allowing This goes deeper into what the students are actually being taught and what they are being promoted in higher education, whether it's the K through 12, whether it's the higher education, we need to take a deeper look at what's being taught for them to think that this is a good idea. Now, if it's somebody over there with that ideology already built into them, ingrained into their system, that's another conversation on who we're actually allowing into our nation that's not assimilating to the United States and that continues to support something that is against American values and that wants to see the default and the destruction of American society. But I would think that this is more of an education problem. We're allowing something horrible to happen. Got to look deeper here. Stop looking at the surface level in the Band-Aid about freedom of speech and figure out why we're having this division in the first place. Lots more to get to. We'll shift gears when we come back right around the corner here for The Voice of Reason. say here.
0: This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Truth, Reason, and Common Sense. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier.
1: Truth, Reason, Common Sense. That's what we do here on the show, as always, each and every weekend for our weekend edition here at The Voice of Reason from coast to coast, all over the place. Always wonderful to have you with us. By the way, no worries, The Voice of Reason is here. <laughs> We're ready to go for it. We'll get back to the Palestinian Israel issues here in just a little bit. But while we're bickering about, oh, I don't know, foreign policy, while we're bickering about federal budget issues, while we're bickering about, I don't know, a you know, speaker of the House and what that may look like, which we'll get into in hour number two, what's what policy is actually being done? Because right now we're not hearing about a whole lot of policy, but there is some stuff getting done. And is it the best? No, no, it's it's really. It's really not. So what's really going on? And as we continue to watch a UAW strike, that's how many weeks now? Yeah, that's a disaster in itself right there. And we've talked quite a bit about the UAW strike, the unions, the labor unions that are just destroying the private industry altogether. What's being done by the Biden administration? Oh, well, it almost seems like it's planned that way so that we can move into a new future, a new direction, a new industry that is the uh auto industry going into the future of the United States, man, as we get into our latest and what's trending with our next guest on the program. Let's go to the Hoosier Media Hotline. Really happy to have back on the program with us. We love having this guest on uh, second time I think on our national show with us. He's the president of American Commitment. You can find him online at American Commitment.com. Mr. Phil Kirpin with us here. Phil, how are you, my friend?
2: I'm pretty good, Andy. I'm very excited for that Biden basement starter pack. That was one of the best commercials I've heard in a long time. I out to order one
1: <laughs> There we go. Well, thank you. Yes. Well, we'll get that uh, Biden starter pack out to you. We have a lot of those. And uh, it, it's wild. Th- that's that's the leader of the free world right now. That is what we have to deal with a Joe Biden that we just saw another video of him tripping up a small set of stairs. He mumbles all over. We don't understand what he's saying. He scuffles everywhere trillion, he goes.
2: Trillion, trillion, quadrillion.
1: <laughs> Why the heck not? In some reason, he's still the front runner for the Democrat Party. Like, Phil, how does this happen?
2: It's incredible. Well, I mean, I think that he's sort of a convenient uh, sort of non-threatening, goofy old dude, and they can put him out front, and uh, he can unite the various factions of their party, and then, you know, the green groups and the Marxists and the radicals and everyone else can go do the things they're doing and, uh, you know, sell us out to Iran and uh, destroy M- American energy and drive inflation through the roof and all the rest of the things they're doing. I mean, I don't even think he has awareness of any of the things that are going on in the name of his administration. And so he's uh, convenient for that purpose, I suppose.
1: Yeah, well, I guess he is. He's the useful idiot for him, I guess. I remember when that term was being coined for the Bush administration back uh, in the early 2000s with Democrats calling him the radical. But, man, we've taken things to an entirely new level here in the nation. Let's talk about the auto industry for a second. We still have the weeks-long ongoing strike from the United Auto Workers asking for, like, Fifty dollar an hour is an average for an entry level position. We're asking for automatic increases based on inflation. A
2: week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not? Let's just cut we'll it down to four days, four, days four days a week and make. it. Yeah. it's insane. Uh, it's and they, want, and they want an old school pension. They don't want their four hundred one k. Where they want an old school pension <laughs> where you have guaranteed income for life and all the rest of the stuff. And here, here's the thing that's crazy about what they're doing. The one thing they're not protesting. Is the thing that they should be protesting if they want to save their jobs and save their industries, and that is all the Biden administration's insane electric vehicle policies. And, you know, a lot of people know that they're throwing billions and billions of dollars in subsidies. But the subsidies, you know, even with all those billions of dollars of subsidies, most people would still rather get a gas car. And so, you know, 92, 93% of vehicles sold are still gas and diesel vehicles. Electric vehicles are a very small part of the market, even with. Massive subsidies. You get the situation where the average electric vehicle is going for something like seventy thousand dollars, and the manufacturers, even with billions in subsidies, are still losing thirty grand on each unit. Ford said they're losing thirty-two thousand dollars on every EV they sell. Now, wow. I don't wow. think they're going to get more subsidized than they have been. So, explain how this works as a business model. If even with billions in subsidies, you're losing thirty grand, you're selling cars for seventy grand and you're losing thirty. Okay, think about this. So they are going off a cliff uh, as an industry because of these Biden policies. And they're, frankly, about to get much, much worse, especially from the buyer side, the consumer perspective. And that's because uh, they, you know, just even with the subsidies, the economics don't work. So, you know, what do liberals want to do? Use mandates. OK, come in with a stick and basically mandate that every manufacturer sell a very large and growing percentage of electric vehicles in their overall fleet and you know it's coming much faster than people realize model year 2026 which is kind of right around the corner it's like basically a year and a half away model year 2026 they're mandating that every manufacturer sells 17 percent electric vehicles um, huh. model year 27 they're mandating 30 percent well we're at seven percent now we're going to quadruple in three years uh it's extremely unlikely that that can actually be met except by dramatically restricting the supply of internal combustion vehicles. And so what's going to happen is internal combustion vehicles automatically, as a function of that mandate, are going to become harder to find. If you, and if you can even find them, they're going to cost a fortune. It's going to be a luxury to be able to have a gas car in this country. And, of course, it doesn't stay at 30%. It goes up to 50% in 2030 and 67% in 2032. So in 2032, only one-third of all the vehicles sold in the country are allowed by the EPA and the Department of Transportation to be regular cars, regular gas and diesel cars. And if it's still something that 90% of people want, which, frankly, I think is pretty likely, well, you can look at supply look at demand, and the price is going to be insane. And it's going to be for rich people to be able to get, you know, one of the one-third of vehicles that are allowed to be internal combustion vehicles. And uh, a lot of the rest of us are either going to have to take out you know, a mortgage-sized loan to buy a $100,000, $150,000 regular sedan <laughs> for your family, or more likely, people are going to have to drive used cars forever. We're going to be like Cuba. We're going to be driving, right. you know, decades-old vehicles because, you know, we, we've gone crazy with making, you know, only electric vehicles or very super-priced, artificially scarce uh, internal combustion vehicles. And, by the way, you know, he, he's only run the mandate through 2032, which is why it's at, two, you know, 67%. But if he gets a second term, he's going to 100% for sure. I mean, there's no question. Oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah, he's going to make it happen. Yeah, we're going to turn into uh, wanting to just own a classic car just for the sake of being able to use a gas vehicle uh, for this one. How out of touch is it, by the way, to think that, hey, I can't afford gas because gas is going up, and we'll talk about that here in just a minute, but gas prices are going up. So I can't afford to fill up my tank of gas at 50 bucks. You know, for to fill up my tank. So why don't I just go out and buy a $100,000 vehicle because that'll totally save me money instead of filling up my gas tank at a higher rate? Like, how out of touch are you to believe that that's a better alternative here?
2: Well, you know, the first time a Biden administration official said it, I thought it was like a gas. But then they all said it, like, <laughs> over and over. Home and Pete Buttigieg. So this is officially like their line. If you can't afford gasoline, um, you know, buy a seventy dollars or $80,000 electric car is essentially sure. their solution. Pretty, pretty remarkable. Of course, you know, the part that they leave out is you got to pay the electric bill to fill up the car. And in the liberal states, the ones where electric cars are popular, we've had a huge run up in electricity prices as well, because they won't let you build new natural gas plants. So they made you close all the coal plants. And, you know, wind and solar farms, even with subsidies, are obscenely expensive. And of course, The wind doesn't always blow and the sun doesn't always shine. And so we've got a lot of strains on the electricity grid, especially in California where most of the electric vehicles are located. They've had repeated blackouts and brownouts. They have the highest electricity prices anywhere in the continental U.S. Hawaii is a little more expensive, but they have a good excuse. They're an island, although they're also a liberal basket case as well. Um, And, you know, what their solution is in California, I don't know if you saw this, Andy, but they said our solution to the blackouts and brownouts is, we're going to make all of the electric vehicle chargers a two-way situation, so when we need more energy for the grid, we're going to drain it out of your car that's parked in your garage.
1: Oh, so we just drain it. We fill up the vehicle, and then if we need it, we just take it back out. So you can't get to work right, tomorrow, right. but at least you can have your lights on in your home.
2: Right. That's their uh, that's their solution, not to build more <laughs> power.
1: Wow. Well, that takes it to an entirely new level here Uh, with the executive orders that are increasing the amount of electric vehicles that need to be sold each year going up to 2030, 2032, where they want two thirds of these vehicles being sold. Is that the master plan when we see the gas prices that we're at right now and the depletion of our oil reserves and the lack of being allowed to drill right now for oil with the gas? Is that their ultimate all time goal is just, hey, let's make oil essentially non-existent because we won't have a supply any longer to where you're just kind of forced to jump on board with this
2: yeah i mean i think that's their vision that's why they think we don't need to produce uh oil and gas is they think we're just going to switch off it and of course uh the ignorance of that approach is that the production that we don't produce uh, drives up the world price and then uh we enrich the worst people in the the world we enrich iran and venezuela and russia and all these other places say, oh, you're not going to produce to your maximum in the U.S. That's fine. We're going to produce here. And uh, thanks to you and not exploiting U.S. resources, we're doing it at a much higher price than we otherwise would. And, you know, it's an interesting thing because the, the Biden administration has been very duplicitous about oil and gas. They've announced, you know, hundreds of green policies to, you know, cancel leases in Alaska, cancel leases offshore, all kinds of EPA regulations, all kinds of interior rules. They keep bragging about how they're solving global warming by crippling oil and gas. And then when you say, oh, so. You're the reason the prices are so high. They say, oh, what are you talking about? We love oil and gas. We have record high production. And the truth is we do have record high production, but it's only very slightly. Record high basically is flat to very slightly up from where we were under Trump. But if we had had a normal market response to the increase in prices, normally prices go up, all the rigs get turned on. If we'd have had the normal market response to higher prices and a continuation of productivity gains that we've seen in that industry – we would be producing 2 to 3 million barrels a day more than we currently are. So we would have a much, much higher record high than we currently do if market forces had been allowed to operate. And those are not my numbers. That's a calculation by uh, Professor Casey Mulligan at the University of
1: Chicago. It's a very scary thought. We're talking with Phil Kirpin, president of American Commitment. You can find him online at AmericanCommitment.com as they're fighting in Washington, D.C. with all these different policies. And the electric vehicle one is definitely a scary one. Uh, Again, forcing the market into a direction that we don't want to go, that's not efficient, that's not cost effective, and it's going to drive us into some pretty devastating losses to just be able to turn on the lights at the end of the day moving forward if we have to. we got to take a break here real quick. Uh, When we come back, I want to continue this conversation. And as we started off with talking about the UAW workers and the strike going on with the auto industry as a whole, I'm curious on if the workers even know what they're protesting right now and who they're supporting and who the unions are in bed with and supporting politically wise that are going to end their jobs at the end of the day when the industry changes straight to the EVs. What's the future of the auto industry look like? We'll do that when we come back on The Voice of Reason. Stay right here. This is The Voice of Reason
0: with Andy Hoosier. Where Hoosierholics gather every week. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier.
1: Yeah, this is where we gather each and every week. We just come together, and you can be anonymous. It's totally okay. Welcome aboard. Check us out online, hoosierreason.com. All of our social media with the handle at Hoosier Reason. No I in Hoosier, H-O-O-S-E-R, Reason. Also on the website at hoosierreason.com. Sign up for our newsletter. That'll be coming out at the beginning of next month. We do that at the top of each month. You can become the next Hoosier Holic by signing up for that free Totally unpaid for newsletter that you can enjoy our big blog, our monthly blog, our chats, what's going on with the radio show, and so much more. We're hanging out today with Phil Kirpin, American Commitment, uh, president of American Commitment. AmericanCommitment.com is the website as we talk about the electric vehicle industry, the push for the EVs. And yet we're seeing blackouts and brownouts all over the nation. Every time we're in the dead of heat in the summer or the dead of cold in the winter, all of a sudden the grid strained and we're like, we should put more cars on there because that makes all the sense of the world. But, Phil, I have to ask, as we talked about the protests that are going on right now, do you think the workers actually know that they're supporting a labor union that's funding a Democrat politician who's advocating for the transition of the industry to the EVs? It's going to cut roughly a third or more of workers from the uh, auto industry, which means while they're advocating for all these ridiculous, absurd benefits, they're going to lose their job in the next few years anyways because of this change because of who they're funding, who's supporting the certain candidates.
2: No, I mean, I don't think they've put two and two together, and I think their union leadership is representing them extremely poorly uh, for precisely the reasons you just pointed out. And also, as we mentioned in the last segment, if you make it so that most people can no longer afford a new car because the electric cars cost a fortune, and there are so few non-electric cars that are allowed by law to be produced that they also cost a fortune, that, by definition, means people are going to be driving their used cars for much, much longer, and they're not going to be buying new cars. And what does that mean? If your job is making new cars, it's a pretty bad situation. And so I think it's a it is a devastating agenda for that industry. And uh, they all, all their focus on in these negotiations is getting in bed with Democrats to maximize uh, their take their their cost to these companies, uh, which. Uh, are going to be going down a drain, frankly. And I mean, President Trump has been excellent on this. I don't know if you've seen any of the speeches or the videos that he's done on this, but he says Biden's transition is a transition to hell, and he's walked through some of this stuff. And uh, I think that it's got to be, you know, in the top, you know, three to five issues for this next election at all levels, you know, because um, if the if we stay on the course that we're on, not only is it devastating for the industry, and those workers are concentrated, of course, in some very politically important states, but... Um, but also every single other person in this country who does not in that industry, it's devastating for us, too, because we need we need to have transportation We need to have vehicles to get where we're going.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's pretty devastating. And you're right. Donald Trump t- has done a great job exposing the Biden administration on this change to EVs when he went and spoke in Michigan a couple weeks ago to the union workers. He talked about the electric vehicles, which I thought was fantastic. But I have to admit, the media raved about Joe Biden being there, the first sitting president to be on a picket line. Uh, Phil, I didn't know that a sitting president would want to go and protest his own economy, saying that people need $50 an hour to survive because they can't afford it on the wages that they're at right now because of his economy.
2: Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I don't know. Speaking of $50 an hour, one of the uh, U.S. Senate candidates in California, Barbara Lee, uh, says that should be the minimum wage $50 an hour. <laughs> they're, in a, they're, in a, they're in a bidding war. I think the other candidates are at like one's at 20 and one's at 30, and she's like, boom, 50. And it it reminded me of the old Saturday Night Live skit with uh, Dan Aykroyd being Jimmy Carter when he says, you know, everyone would be a millionaire if we just have lots of inflation. And Won't that be great? You know, it's basically what the Democrat philosophy is now on economics.
1: That, uh, that escalates things quickly, I think. Good golly. Uh, Phil, last question for you. we got just a couple of seconds left here. But are we going to see some high prices for vehicles for the long haul, either because of the dragging out of this uh, protest or because of this transition to EVs? Are, gar- are car prices on the rise for the long haul here?
2: Yeah, I think they are. Uh, we've already seen a huge increase in the last couple of years. And I think, unfortunately, unless uh, the policy changes direction, it's going to get much worse in the next few years as these mandates really start to bite. and. Um, As I said, I mean, I think for most people, you know, we're looking at, you know, forget having a six or seven year car loan. I think they're going to go to eight, 10, 12. I mean, it's going to be like a mortgage to get
0: a car.
1: Yeah, we're going to have a 30 year mortgage on our vehicle now just because, well, why the hell not? It's going to be ridiculous. Welcome to the new world, my friends, under progressive agendas. It's Phil Kirp at American Commitment, AmericanCommitment.com. Go and check them out. Phil, always a pleasure, my friend. Let's do it again real soon. There we are. Appreciate it. All right. Hour number one in the books. Lots more to get to. Hour number two, we're going to shift gears. The Speaker of the House, can we actually see something get done in Congress? Come on, man. Plus, we have some other great guests to join us on the program as well. So much to talk about and so little time to do it. It's The Voice Reason. It's your weekend edition of The Voice Reason. Stay right here.